cliffcentral.com Wow, what is this? I feel like I'm Sunday afternoon chilling somewhere, having a car wash. That's how we leave uh, Gareth Cliff and the team. Thank you so much. I'll be back tomorrow. Hello, Sunbonan. Welcome to the show. Hey, hey, hey. It's Rory and Andrew. Um, good morning to you, bud. Morning, my friend. It's been a week. I've been waiting for this. I'm excited. Pinta, man, you start me off with this song. <laughs> hey, come closer, my friend. Now I'm feeling close to you. I'm feeling close. You know, all this, um, all the gay laws that have been going on throughout, uh, America. I'm very excited about that. I think it's, it's long overdue. We'll be speaking about that in the up and coming weeks. Oh, Rory's got some interesting opinions on that, but we won't have that today. Uh, welcome to the Konza show. Of course, uh, hot topic. Um, we discuss what you really want to say, but are afraid to say it. Uh, last week we spoke about um, the Afrikaans show. Do you remember that? What were your thoughts? You, we had quite a good one, eh? Yeah. You thought that was quite interesting. Uh, I went to the bottom of my heart. Remember the these details. Remember these details. How learners are divided into racial groups. We call ourselves the Bird Nation. It's basically the white Afrikaans-speaking people in South Africa, uh, which are, we like to be called the Bird Nation. Yeah. The video shows a group of white learners being led off a bus before a group of black peoples disembark from the vehicle. Segregation in its best. I eh? like, I like, so, <laughs> you know what I like about that thing? As the Afrikaans guy is speaking, there, there are sounds of people screaming at the back, as if, <laughs> as if at Kuro, <laughs> as the kids were coming off the bus, someone like screaming. <laughs> 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 it was uh, it was a very interesting <laughs> show. Uh, we got a lot of feedback uh, on Twitter after the show as well. Yeah. A lot of people saying that we didn't go hard enough on on the Afri Forum uh, representative in the studio. Yeah. But you had some interesting conversations following and before before yeah, that show. Yeah, yeah. So 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 uh, one of my white Afrikaans friends, you know, came up to me and and we had quite a heart to heart, you know. And the heart to heart really was him sharing and being open with me about how how he felt about black people mm-hmm. you know and how he felt around um the role that black people had played in apartheid you know and and he was open enough with me to say look uh i think black people have to take responsibility for parts of that mm. right? now that got me thinking you know those types of Conversations and it became a hard conversation. He had to leave in the middle of the conversation because it just became so much too heated. Uh, yeah, it became too heated because you know I was also responding the way I thought. But then we had a conversation the next day where you know we we unpacked it. But our conversation, our relationship allows for that. It allows for us to have that type of conversation to come back, debrief, and for him to come back to me and say, you know what, I think I was. Wrong in this respect because I did not have enough information. Some of the things you said, if I think about it, as we grew up, we were never exposed to that type of information. Now, that's, that showed me that we have an authentic friendship, right? Mm. So for me, the fact that we can have that type of conversation and we're not, we're not saying, you know, that's the end of it. That's an authentic friendship. I can say how I truly feel and it will be okay. Now, that got us thinking and then me and you spoke and, you know, got us thinking about, you know, can we call friendships friendships if you can't really if if you leave parts of yourself if he left if he had to leave those thoughts that he he does carry he had to leave them aside and i had to leave my 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 thoughts aside is it a true friendship right and then you and then you told me about your dinner yeah i mean the 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 interesting thing about this was i feel like that was the first time he's probably you know come clean to a black brother or sister about his true feelings mm. Which is interesting because, uh, as, as Rory was saying, I had this dinner where I was the only white in the room, which was, which was, um, which was awesome. Um, but at the same time, I felt like I had to be, a, because these people didn't know me, I had to be a little bit careful about what I was saying because I was worried that what I was saying would be construed in the wrong matter or in the wrong manner. Mm. And, you know, for me, that really talks to the situation of can we be true with each other? Can we have true friendships across racial lines? If we're leaving something or letting something go um, that we're not bringing to the table, um, a lot of the times that 
black people come into white circles, they're not speaking in their mother tongue. Is that a problem? Is that something that changes the game, the dynamic? Um, so we ask on Twitter, some of my bl- best friends are black, but is it a true friendship? What are your thoughts? You need to give in, get into touch with us. Uh, let us know your thoughts on, uh, on WeChat as well as Twitter at Rory Shabalala or at Yebo underscore L-E-V-Y, Levy. Um, we want to hear from you. Can you have a true friendship uh, across racial lines? Yeah, and, and uh, you know, is it, is it an authentic relationship if you, can't, if you can't bring aspects of yourself into it? You know, the interesting thing, you, you'll know that in high school or let's say primary school, if you've had the Model C sort of upbringing, um, you know, it's all good. It's all fun and games. We all hang out, you know, across the racial lines and so on. And then somehow as you grow up, you just seem to cluster around your, your, your racial group, right? Then you start to, to really. Suddenly your friends seem darker than you. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, right? Now, now, now I have much fewer white friends, uh, black friends. I have much fewer black friends. Uh, as a white guy, a lot more white friends. So that's interesting for me to say what, what drives us to that point where as we grow up, we just, you know, we, we get over this interracial thing. Mm, the is rainbow it, nation. Is it really, mm. is it just too complicated? Is it just too difficult to maintain these interracial friendships? All right. We've got a whole bunch of guests. Uh, there's a guy named Kadlejo Monakwena. He's in studio with us. We've got Simam Kelet Lakavu. She's a, uh, mailing guardian, top 200. Um, per South African, uh, she wrote a really interesting article about this online as well. And we've also got a couple, an interracial couple. What do they leave behind in their relationship? Let us know your thoughts on the matter. Have you got any kind of, uh, thoughts on this? Do you leave something behind when you go and interact with uh, people from uh, across racial lines? Are there things that you can't say? Um, when speaking to another race, we'd love to hear your thoughts on WeChat, on Twitter, as well as online, 0861-555-189. Simam Kele Dlakavu, you are no stranger to the media. Uh, good morning to you. You wrote a really fascinating article about interracial relationships. Morning. I did. I did. <laughs> Uh, firstly, thank you for coming and joining us, uh, online. What was, uh, what was this, the thoughts of writing this article? Where did it stem from? How did you get onto this topic? Um, so I've been a part of a, a race, um, um, focus group for the Nelson Mandela Foundation, uh, at the beginning of this year, which, um, we're seeking to, to, to find a way on how we can, you know, move past our racial, uh, divisions and seek social, you know, cohesion. So because they understand that if you look at um, the race uh, barometers, that you can see that racial uh, trust amongst different racial groups has decreased in post-apartheid South Africa. We have um, the idea of the rainbow nation, as you said, is is slowly, you know, um, becoming a facade and we're starting to see that it was a facade to just build the South African brand. So, but in our understanding of race relations and race difficulties, we, om- we always focus like on uh, inequality, as we rightly should, like economic inequality, etc., white privilege, uh, black poverty. But for me, what was interesting is that uh, the reason I wrote the article is because I saw a, race- a racial relationship explosion on Facebook with a young black woman who's very who's upper middle class, who works at the whitest law firms in the country, who's gone to really prestigious uh, white schools all her life. She's one of the people that um, can call, one of the few black women who can call uh, their best friends white. So I witnessed her friendships with white people and literally collapsed on Facebook because she wrote, an, um, she wrote a status commenting on white male privilege. Uh, so what was interesting for me is that uh, we haven't explored enough uh, the interpersonal side of, of, of this rainbow nation. We talk about access to education, we talk about uh, economic inequality, but can we focus on these really interracial relationships? Because I think to, in order for us to you know, achieve this idea of a united South Africa, um, those relationships will play an important part. Simam Gale, you, this friend of yours, um, mm-hmm. did you get a chance to debrief with her afterwards? And, uh, how does she feel? So, uh, it, it seems like that caught her by surprise. She had, she, she shared an opinion with friends and it didn't go down maybe as, as, as well as she had hoped it would. Um, and then the next thing she was losing friends has, when you reconnected with her, maybe what, what, what were her yeah. comments? How did she feel about it? 
So let me um, let me get the, let me first share the comments. Just she said that it seems that if you are white and male, seventy percent of the work is already done. So that was her comment. Um, so I did uh, debrief with her. I, I I called her when I was writing the article, and we had lunch afterwards. Um, she was devastated. Uh, she was in an emotional state because some of these people she's known for a long time, and she really considered them friends. Uh, but also, I enjoy for me as this kind of black back, black person who's been termed as uh, termed as radical. I enjoy those moments when you know other black people who who are naive in terms of race issues, who think that it's all great and all well, um, have a a moment when the white privilege and 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 white arrogance stings them because they're very disillusioned about it. They think it's all good and well, but there comes a moment in every black person's life where you will feel it. So for me, it was good that you know the uh, the, the ignorance about these racial issues and how bad they can be stared at her straight in the face because I've had my moments, many of them, with white people that I consider my friends, white classmates. So um, she was devastated, but now she's more real. Do do white people have similar moments? Is, is this just a, a black thing staring <laughs> at the reality of, uh, or, or, or do white do white people also have their days of reckoning, where they where they come to realize that uh, things aren't uh, fun and roses? They do, and I've seen it too. But uh, but obviously, I'm not a white person, so I can't speak from their perspective. Uh, but I have white comrades who. Uh, I consider some of my good friends, but the, the difference with them is because they recognize their privilege. Um, they recognize that they directly benefited from black exploitation through colonialism and apartheid. And they recognize that the way the economic structure of South Africa today needs to be changed. So those are white people who are honest, who are genuine, and who, who, who want to develop you know, this country by, by acknowledging that they benefited and duly from the oppression of other races. So um, my white friends have had moments where they've had to deal with their privilege. Uh, for instance, in UCT, through the Roads Must Fall campaign, we have, they had a white privilege project where maybe white people, it's, it's, it's also like we need to be sympathetic sometimes because, you know, if you grew up in a context where uh, all your life, from your churches, from your school, from your, your uh, family members, your friends, where they tell you that you are better than the other one. Maybe they might not tell you overtly, but in some in subliminal ways, where constantly you see a black person as a gardener, as a, as, 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 a, as a cleaner, you never see, you know, black excellence, or, you know, you always have this view of black people as lazy, because you don't have a historical context of why most people in this country are black and are poor. Um, it's hard to recognize your privilege. So when white people, for instance, I'm a politics student and I was a history student at varsity, when, you know, your first year, your second year, you really get to see, you know, the policies and how it affects us and how it defines South African society. They have aha moments. And then they're like, I can't believe it was this bad. I can't believe. And it's, it's white guilt sometimes for thinking the way that they did, they did because it, it's, it, it was out of ignorance. So I know, um, and maybe uh, your white guest can attest, to, 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 to those moments of, of understanding your privilege. Jeez, then, then no white guests, unfortunately. The, the, the only white person in the studio is me. And, um, <laughs> you know, Gareth Cliff says I'm not really white. So, but the, Simon Keller, the interesting thing about your article raised some really fascinating thoughts. And we'll post that on Twitter, um, because I thought it was a great, great article. Were you surprised by the comments that came back? I mean, IOL is just synonymous for, for their amazing, uh, commentary, uh, forums afterwards. Were you surprised by some of the comments? Did some of them enrage you? Were you interested by them? What were your thoughts? You know, I never read comments. Um, one of your commentators, Greg Nicholson from the Daily Maverick, wrote an article about why he never reads the comments section. Uh, so I always write about race and, and, and privilege and economic inequality. So I, I, I get those terrible comments. Can I say on this show? Yes. Oh, so I was called a racist black bitch once, um, because of, you know, questioning white privilege. Um, so I never, I didn't read the comments of that specific article because I, it's, it's the general trend. Once you question white privilege, uh, they'll come at you. Uh, an interesting comment, so we'll read them for you. We'll, we'll, okay. we'll, 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 <laughs> we'll, we'll just put you back yeah, there. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll we will give you. you your moment of reckoning. 
Um, an interesting question. How would you react to a conversation that starts with me putting all the blame for every farm murder, child rape, and hijacking squarely on your shoulders and saying that you owe that you owe personally for these crimes. So do you think that this is a problem then with interracial friendships is, you know, how, how can we build a friendship if, you know, the conversations constantly start with, yeah, but your, your ancestors did this to me and, and so on. What, what do you say to a person who says, yeah, well, you can't really build a friendship when all we're ever talking about, you know, when it comes down to it, it will all come down to your grandfather did this to my granddad and that is why we're here. Yeah, for me, for instance, I don't think we can compare the two, but um, I recognize that obviously I can't uh, meet a white person and be like, yeah, your grandfather did this. I need to get to know the person. Um, the person's not their grandfather, um, you know, because um, we are, you know, young people, right? We're trying to build a new society. But in our trying to build a new society, obviously, as a black young woman, I can't continue saying that uh, you did this because you were not there. Like most white people that I am in my network were not there. But I can question you on your privilege right now. I can question on how you benefit um, from your privilege right now and what you're doing to change it. I can question you and asking you, what are you doing for, for the country? So a friend of mine, uh, J- uh, Janet J- J- Jacobs, who was, uh, Jacobson, sorry, who was a part of these racial dialogues, wrote an article, um, an interesting article that you need to check out, is that where are the young white change makers? Where are the young white activists in South Africa? Because uh, she runs a pro- program called Activate. And Activate um, is a social um, development enterprise that seeks to make young people a- a- agents of change in society. So the overwhelming applicants of this program were black people, and she reached out as a white, young white woman. She reached out to so many white people to apply. She advertised, but no one came forward. I'm not saying young, young white people are not contributing to the development of their country. They do run small projects. But um, for me, I think the conversation now should move uh, beyond you know, what your forefathers did um, but what are you doing today? What are you? How can we move this country forward? Are you willing to be one of the advocates for the returning of land? Are you willing to be one of the advocates for the mineral resources of this country to be returned um, so that they can benefit more people? Are you willing to mentor? Are you willing to, you know, move the country forward? Mm. Because you recognize your privilege. Nice one, Simam Keller. We've uh, unfortunately run out of time. Uh, we welcomed you. Now we have to thank you and uh, enjoy yourself. We'll put your, your, your article on Twitter as well as you can follow her at Simam Keller D. Um, Simam Keller Lakavu, a young lady making big, big changes in South Africa. We look forward to more from you. Thank you so much for joining thank us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yo, so I don't know, like, I'm still thinking that, you know, it's very easy to move this conversation into race and, you know, what one should do and shouldn't do. But my, my thought process is, what are we not bringing to the table? What are we scared to talk about? What are the topics that we are scared to talk about? Maybe we can bring in Katlejo, our in-studio guest here as well. Monakwena is a young gentleman, um, a very interesting background. But uh, Rory, Katlejo, what are we scared to talk about uh, when, when around a group of white people? Yeah, and maybe Katleho, I mean, Katleho has an interesting background, as you said. It would be great to hear a little bit about it. Um, because that, that I think sets the context, you know. Um, if you, if you grow up in an environment where you're surrounded by people of, of, of another race, um, how does that impact, number one, your worldview? You know, do you, do you adopt that race's worldview? And if you don't, how then are you able to have authentic friendships, uh, if you can't have authentic conversations? Um, good morning, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Um, Look at you. I'm unbelievably nervous. And, yeah, I can see that. And what's interesting <laughs> is <laughs> I have to follow Simon Keller, who was so eloquent in, in expressing her views. Um, my, to answer the question, my, my, my mom was a, is a domestic worker. My dad is a carpenter. So they're both two people who, by any person's standards, do menial work and Thereby, no stretch of the imagination, or no stretch of many people's imagination, um, people of excellence. In my mind, however, like uh, uh, that's completely different. But my worldview then is framed by the people that I was automatically around, and many of those people were um, uh, middle class or or upper middle class white people. Mm. At least when I was at my very youngest, 
which by the way uh, may explain my accents to the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but tell <laughs> us how don't, how, don't how, that. <laughs> how did no, you no. come how did you come to be around so many white people? So I just I I I went I went to pre-primary school in Parkview and Parkview is an upper middle class suburb in Johannesburg so the people who were around were people who could afford to send their children there. And then um then I went to primary school in Parkview but then I went to a very fancy private school. Uh, it's barring some of the schools in KZN and Cape Town. It's probably one of the more expensive schools in the country. And again, the people who I spent my time with, the people who were my environment, the teachers, everyone barring the, everyone in, in all of the teaching staff barring the cleaning staff were, were white people. And your Zulu teacher, I'm sure. My, well, my Zulu, t- I actually never did Zulu. <laughs> my mom told me that it was going to be too easy and she was so wrong because my Zulu is terrible today. My Swana's pretty good, just for the record. Um, <laughs> but those are the things that, that, that informed my worldview and I sp- and then it became, it became tricky because you, you, it, like thinking of myself, being able to, um, sit on the outside and look back in is really difficult and, if you're going through adolescence while trying to do all of those things, it becomes particularly more difficult. And that's where my initial worldview came. Um, it's becoming a lot more mature it's, and it's uh, a, a, adapting and adju- a, a adjusting a lot more. And I've become disillusioned in a lot of ways in recent times. So, so Katlejo, you, you, ta- you were telling us earlier before the show that you went into or what you observed is that going into this private school, St. John's, we'll say it, <laughs> um, um, you, you get there and interestingly, the black guys seem to, to all come together and form a little group. The white guys do the same. So even amongst, let's say, the affluent, uh, who have had similar upbringings, let's assume, right? Yeah. So just from a, from a socioeconomic point of view, um, they still seem to then go and find each other or, or, or group according to race. Why do you think that is? I, what I often find is that people, at least adolescent, adolescent kids, teenagers are, if anyone doesn't want to have a difficult conversation as a teenager, right? You don't want your mom giving you a hard time. You don't want anything. And what, what exists just below the surface at, at, at schools, just like, just like St. John's is real, is real racial tension. And it also ex- it exists racially and socioeconomically because Everyone is, I don't, I can't say maybe the top 5%, the top 1%. I don't know who the, I can't say exactly who they are. But, but these people, for example, these people's parents, the black parents are just completely different people as the white parents. They may have grown up in the 70s in South Africa. All, all the people, all, all the relative parents may have grown up in the 70s in South Africa, but the subjective realities were just so different. And what, what informs your worldview is so much of what happens so much of what happens at home and rather than challenge these ideas that have been entrenched in you it's so much easier just to slip into just to slip into what you know won't cause any controversy mm. and that's what i found and by the way it's not as though you know it's not as though there was absolutely zero racial mixing at st john's but it would be disingenuous to suggest that like that it was a a real yeah i i couldn't i couldn't say that in good conscience like that that it would it would be simply incorrect um but it wasn't deliberate it wasn't cura right there was so there was <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted to bring that up, didn't you? you just wanted to bring cura up eh? just a, just a, just a young dig there they, like, <laughs> at at no point at no point um was a cura that a cura situation ever come up in in 5 years there were things that were very very right that are very, very right about the school, and there are things that are very, very wrong about the school. But there's nothing as crazy and as deliberate as what I saw um, in that video. All right, let's let's talk frankly between us here. What are the the situations? What are the conversations that you cannot have, or you feel very uncomfortable having, with uh, when you're in a complete white circle? I think that's personality based, right? So. 
It's, well, give them to me, Rory. What is yours and Kat, what are yours? Like, I'm no, interested. So, and I'll tell you so, what mine so, so, Simam Gale mentioned a number of them. So can we have an honest conversation about the history of this country? Can we have an honest conversation about what the, where the history of the country has placed you? Relative to me mm. um, And I found that guys just have difficulty Having those types of conversations But the, the and other conversations It's not so much the conversation It's, you know, I can't tell you the joke In that in, in Soto you, you you won't get it, you know I can't direct translate <laughs> You know, there's there, there, These small, these 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 things That these subliminal things You know, you, we, the inside jokes and so on We, we can't get them mm. So it makes it then difficult to then relate on that level I think it's, uh, you know, like putting myself out there and maybe speaking on behalf of some people. I think a lot of white people find very tiring being white, especially young people. You know, in their minds, they have nothing to do with um, the apartheid uh, era. Um, you know, there's a disconnect there. They don't see the, the connection between their families, the privileges and so on. And so they feel like, geez, this conversation about black people have been disadvantaged and blah, 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 and BEE and so on and so on. They'll never have that conversation with a group of black people, you know, about how tiring it is being white, being seen as the villain for a lot of your life. When you, when you try so hard not to, right? Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. No, it's, so I, I can imagine the conversation, some of the conversations that you struggle to have would be because you're worried about how you will be, uh, how you'll be seen, right? So, so I imagine as a white guy, and tell me if I'm wrong, Andrew. So, um, you've got a very strong opinion, um, against a black person, and now you have to hold it back, not because the opinion is wrong, it might be a, the right yes, opinion, yes, yes. but because, you, you don't want to be you're seen. You're going to be put in that box. Exactly. Now. Yeah. Exactly. So. I told you that. Like when I when I say something, I automatically know if there's going to be a problem on on Twitter or Facebook, because the next person who replies to my comment is then someone I don't want to associate with, mm. and they're agreeing with my point and using it to further their point of being racist. And I'm not saying that the government is, you know, like it's because black people are in power that we're that that we're where we are. Mm. I'm saying that there's some individuals within government, regardless of party, regardless of race, that aren't that don't have the people at the front of center of their mind. Um, you, you know, people also say, you know, we are, but we should all be colorblind and so on. Are you, are you colorblind? So you say you, most of your friends are white right now, right? Yeah. You've grown up around them and those are just the people that you have created friendships with. Um, would you classify yourself as colorblind? Absolutely not. And I think the notion of being colorblind is, is silly and bordering on hurtful. Um, I think we have to be able to accept that Different, pe different people in South Africa have different subjective realities. So I happen to have been brought up in a part of, in a part of South Africa and I assimilated with the, and I did assimilate and I'm willing to, to own that. And people in the comment section, please don't be too rude to me when you <laughs> see this on the podcast. No, but, <laughs> but I just but, want you, I but just to want answer you, your question, can so, you, yeah, on that. So yeah. just unpack what, what you what mean. What does assimilate mean? Yeah. Okay. Well, what I'm trying to say is that a lot of the time, a lot of, a lot of what, 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 what is now, what is now something that I identify myself with is what others might see as not quintessentially, quintessentially South African or black South African. I've got an issue with people deciding that they've got, they've got the, they've got, they've got full power to, to determine what these things mean. But I do understand that some things exist more prominently in some circles where they don't in others. You are being a lawyer. Mm, you are being such a lawyer. <laughs> you are being such a lawyer. You're Tell in us. training to be a lawyer. I can see that. <laughs> we can, what do you mean? What do okay. you mean? Okay. You mean? You quintessentially. Give us examples. Okay. Last minute quintessentially. <laughs> we share two brain cells. So for us, it's like you're above okay. our heads. Okay. No, I mean, okay. I think that, I, I, I think that, I think that, for example, a lot of maybe uh, a lot of maybe the music that I that that I may, may enjoy not all of the music that I may enjoy but some of the music that I may enjoy and it's is music that is associated associated with young white people that's the case that's the case um, and some of the movies that I might like to watch so some of the pop culture that I that I enjoy the language that I speak and the accent in which I speak that language those those things. Are associated with young white people. 
what ends up happening, and the reason why I was kind of jumping around your question, <laughs> is because no, and, and this is a moment of real honesty, is because. I end up finding myself a little bit embarrassed because then I have to say, oh, but I also do these black things. And then I feel, mm. then I feel like an idiot because I don't think I should have to do, I, I should ever have to do that because those things are things that I hold in my heart as legitimately as my enjoyment of, I don't know, Goodfellas as a film or whatever the case may be. But then I, but I feel like, and I, and I suppose this is what, uh, to an extent, this is what people talk about when they talk about privilege because there is a normative standard of certain things. So the normative standard of beauty, the normative standard of intelligence, the normative standard of so many things ends up, it, it, it is a white standard. And then. So by you being intelligent, you think that. No, I mean, yeah. And because the reason, and the reason why Simon Gale brought up what she was talking about, about, about black excellence is, is because exactly that. You think about some of the boys that I went to school with and who black people in their lives are. And black people aren't the uh, black people are the woman that makes this guy's bed, and the man that fills his petrol tank, and the man or woman at Tasha's who brings him lunch. And it's not. And I understand that this comment is general, but I'm also saying that I've been to a number of 21st birthday parties re- recently in which there were 115 people there and three black people. And I'm just trying to say that if that's the case, then your peers are not black. That's not the norm. Your norm is not, mm-hmm. is not one is black. But every time you go to a petrol station, the person, the people who are filling your tank are not, are not white. And that's just the simple fact of the matter. And so does that make it difficult to then see yourself being friends and building a, a, a relationship of real mutual Friendship that is not that is not one superior to the other um, as a white guy or as a black guy. If if that's the case, when I was younger, um, I found exactly that. I I I have two two particular friends who I believe to be two two young two young white guys who I believe to be guys with just excellent minds and they and they're just great guys. And I always found found myself. I often find myself when I, and I suppose I was a teenager, so we all question something when we're a teenager, but I often find myself doubting so many things about myself because it was doing something in comparison to someone else. And it was, and it was, in, and, it, and it, it was highlighted in my mind that it was an, another young white guy. I, I'm not going I'm nowhere near perfect now, but I start, but, but it's become more and more clear to me that these the a lot of the time why people why 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 young white people are excellent is got has got to do with a lot more than just that they happen to be just that they're great it's that they're probably from a family of university graduates it's it's for they have no black tax to pay it's um <laughs> that's a that's a, a real that's thing a, no, that's a very that's a real, real thing. thing it's um it, not a family of graduates including grandparents of graduates generations of wealth it's it's not as though their parents are the first people to have money. It's that their money has been in their family for ages and ages. It's that, like I say, be, when you got parents that are graduates, it means that the, the your closest relative can read and write. It, it's silly thing. It was not silly at all. It's very very substantial things that that I took for granted when I was younger because I didn't understand that that I will never take for granted again. Um. And I don't know if I've answered your question, Rory. But <laughs> no, so I think you're raising some interesting stuff here. Like it's so, uh, so you were on our case about not 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 being not really letting people off the hook in our previous show. So we 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 intend not to let you off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've just joined the show, we're talking a little bit about uh, race, uh, friendships uh, across race lines. Sounds stupid. Sounds like dumb. But actually, when you unpack it a little bit, it's really interesting. What do we leave behind? What do we not bring to the table when we're surrounded by another race? Um, people who are quite progressive need to ask themselves that because I think when you ask yourself, you realize that actually how progressive am I? Uh, we've been speaking to Kadlejo Monakwen. Am I, am I pronouncing that correctly? I want yeah. to do justice by your family's name. Um, about his upbringing, being at a private school, predominantly white, and what that's done to him. Uh, on the line now uh, in Johannesburg is a interesting couple, Lungile and William, um, on Skype and on phone. 
Uh, they are a mixed race couple. Wanted to speak to them a little bit about their relationship and what it was like. Uh, introducing family members to diff- to their, their loved one. I- I'm quite fascinated by this. Um, I don't know, Rory, if this, if this is interesting to you. <laughs> it will once I hear the story. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with Lungile because uh, we're, we're good like that. Lungile, good morning to you. Morning, morning, guys. Um, how are you? Great, great. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, we have uh, your other half on Skype. William, good morning <laughs> to you. Hi, good morning, guys. Hey, there we go. Wow, it's working. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, Guys, we've been speaking a a little bit about um, interracial friendships. What do we leave behind? What do we not say? What are we afraid to say? Um, Some interesting uh, topics raised by our guests in Studio Cat and Simam Kele, who was online earlier. What are your thoughts on this? Is is, Is this something to talk about? Um. Yeah, I mean... Of course, I think there's a lot um, to talk about when it comes to that particular topic. Uh, we, we, we are in South Africa, after all, and we do have still quite a number of issues when it comes um, to race. Um, however, with that said, it, it, can, it actually can get quite exhausting, um, the whole racial classification. Um, and, you know, finding yourself as a, a, a black woman or a white woman or... Whatever you, however you classify yourself, constantly um, trying to to explain yourself, trying to educate others, and I think especially as a black woman, it's, it's that constant um, trying to to explain um, your situation, your experience, your background, etc. But it's also an, an exciting um, country in the sense that you know we, we we are in a time where we can challenge. Um, a narrow mind. We can, you know, choose to 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 change attitudes. William, I, I like how you let uh, your the, the boss in the relationship speak first. I love that. Um, <laughs> William Lawman, is that Afrikaans or is that English? It's German. German. Okay. Wow. <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about you know your feelings regarding this. Was it? Have you found in in the past your relationship gets broken down to to the simple, uh, you're you're dating or going out with or married to a black woman, and not actually about, oh wow, you guys are in love, you know? Um, Kat was uh, relaying before the show saying that he he'd been going out with a white girl, and and they were like, how did you meet? Like like it was a strange introduction, like they, they met at at a petrol station, as Kat said. Um, do you do you do you find that William is is uh, are there people within your circles that that question that kind of stuff, or in the in the beginning maybe questioned it? I think there's people that question it all the time. I mean, Nungi and I face seriously like a daily actual struggle against people that just don't understand and don't don't really support what we do. You know, today it's legal for gays to marry in America across the whole state, but we, in our love, we still face hatred. Um, I don't know. Really, it, like a lot of people have an issue with it, and I, I don't understand why. Uh, guy, uh, uh, guys, just just share with us briefly your your background. Just give us a background to your relationship, because I think what is what is also interesting is how, how these how these two these, <laughs> these really? how these two lives how do these these two lives number one intersect, but not just the intersection, but then how do you bring the Let's assume you come from different circles of friends or, you know, family backgrounds. How does this then come together and what are some of the tensions that it creates, but also some of the synergies that you find? For sure. Well, we actually met through um, mutual friends. Um, we were asked, I was out having dinner with them and William came and joined us um, later on in the night. And we actually just clicked. We, we, we just started talking the whole time. You know, when you're just ch- chatting away and everybody else at the table is like, okay, guys, we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> that, that kind of connection. And I think for me, when that connection happens, and when the, the connection is still very much there, it, it, it was, I just saw this, this person, this human being that I'm obviously attracted to um, on a number of levels. You know, just his mind, who he is, what he does, his background, etc. So for me, it was just that I didn't think oh my gosh, this white guy, that did not cross my mind um, at all. Um, I think, you know, when we are out, um, you know, hanging out and doing whatever, what other couples do, 
it's other people that remind us, you know, that, okay, actually you're, you're white and she's black. It's just small things like the looks that you get, um, you know, how people react to me or they re- how they react towards William. Um, but you also get, you know, people that are embracing, um, people that are okay with it, people that support this. Um, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's interesting that it's, we actually have to even discuss it, you know. Yeah, 21, 21 years after it. democracy that, that this is actually exactly. still a thing. Exactly. But but exactly. is it is it complicated to so yes you guys get you guys click and so on has it been complicated to then bring along your social circles and your, family. your families and so on does it complicate the situation? Well, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna leave that one for you, <laughs> <laughs> William. Um, does it complicate social situations? Um, a little. Um, I think my family's been fairly supportive of it. I think my wider family, because I'm also half Afrikaans, would not find it quite as charming. Um, in terms of friends, I think they've been quite supportive of it. Um, so I, I, I think my sort of nuclear friends and family um, have been great. Outside that, I think it's, 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 a, it's an uphill struggle. Not everyone's on the same page. So, assuming you've dated before, and, and if you haven't, my apologies for this question. Uh, would you, would you then, would you say there is, there is a tangible, and I don't know if you want to answer this or not, but there's a tangible increase or decrease in ease of relationship, or, or is ease of relationship just, just not a function of the racial thing? Is, is it, is it based on other things? Or do you feel like, you know, we're having to deal with an extra complexity that we don't have to deal with in other relationships? I mean, in, in my view, right, like, I think our relationship is not based on race. Um, I, I like, I love them for who she is, not, not the color of her skin. Um, so no, I, I think it's only in the outside world and you sort of see people react strange and you think, oh my God, what is wrong with you? Uh, so I don't think it's an issue for us. I think it's just the rest of the world. Lungile, um, Zach, Zachwe, is that, uh, am I right in assuming that Zulu or, or, or Tosa? So, um, well, my dad is Zulu and my mom's Tosa. Okay, a good Zulu dad. How's he feeling about this kind of stuff? You know, regardless of race, I mean, when you bring <laughs> home a non-Zulu uh, partner, there, there's there's obviously some discussions around that. How how's your family felt about this? Well, sure. Uh, my parents, thank goodness, my family, my close friends, everyone is actually quite supportive. They don't make us use about it like you know they they, they they find with it and I'm very grateful for that because I do know um, you know some couples don't have the, the same support um, I think you know when you are dating outside of your um, racial group or racial classification um, it, it is it is they are different there's, there's some differences you know so, you know there are certain challenges there are certain things where maybe you wouldn't have to deal with if you were dating somebody in the same um, racial group. So, for example, things like meeting parents, right? I think for for, <laughs> for black people, <laughs> obviously this is a generalization, mm. people. Um, you know, it, 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 it doesn't happen overnight. Um, it doesn't happen it at all. Happen, and, and it, exactly. So William's met my mom, he's met my sister, He's still to meet my dad. We have to do a trip to KZN at some point. So, we, so my dad is based in KZN, a hardcore Zulu man. Mm. He knows about William. He knows I'm happy. So he's supportive of that. I think it's just now the physical um, face-to-face meetup. Uh, but, you know, small things like, for example, the wife family, you can meet their parents after a few months. Um, and obviously, again, I'm generalizing. But it's small little differences where... You know, as long as we explain it to each other and our cultural differences, which which do exist, um, and we're okay with it, and we're on the same page, and we're in love, and we're in a good space, then you'll be fine. William, um, have you practiced some Zulu? 
Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that gave that away. But I mean, it's a good point, Lungile, because I mean, you know, Rory said to me once or twice when we have our deep and meaningful conversations that he's over speaking English and he wants to, he wants to go back to Sutu. Uh, of which I say go for it. Um, and then I don't understand a thing. But I mean, are there, are there times, are there times where, you know, you just, you're over it. You don't, you don't want to speak English. You don't want to, you know, talk about it any further and you want to just go with, you know, go with, uh, you know, to your mother tongue. I don't know if I'm assuming your mother tongue is a vernacular language. Maybe I shouldn't assume yeah, that. Yeah. No, it is. It is. It is. Are there times I mean, where you I feel th- like you just want to say something to, to <laughs> William you know, you know, uh, in Zulu? You know those days where you're like, ah, I've been speaking too much English. Yo, I've had it. <laughs> no, I, I know those days. I know those days. And because I've got such an amazing partner, Will, he's actually taking Zulu lessons. Oh, that's um, nice. Nice. Yeah. And, and, and it's a, a choice he made. And, I mean, it's, it's more than just about us. It's about, you know, you're living in South Africa. It is good um, to learn the NAC. Um, I think, actually, more white South Africans should be learning a bit more than that just to get by. Um, but, yeah, I, mean, I, I get what you're saying. There are times where you just want to you, you wanna throw that Zulu, that Zulu word or phrase or whatever. And, you know, what? I, I, you, you should do it. You can do it. And um, as long as you're respectful towards your partner, they get where you're coming from. And that's why we also have our friends. You'll hang, I'll hang out with my friends. I'll hang out with your friends. We'll all hang out together. So it's a nice mix. You balance things out that way. You know what I like about it? You know, the big issue with men and, and women and the relations between them is that you never quite know where you stand as a man. That's how I feel personally. And um, I know that's a generalization, but it's true. And um, what's <laughs> nice about this is as soon as you get angry with Will, you're going to just swap over to Zulu and just give it to him. <laughs> you know, like, we are rasa, manja, we are rasa. <laughs> and, then, and then he'll know exactly where he stands, um, which, is, which is great. Um, guys, any, any thoughts about, you know, like some, some challenges or maybe some opportunities for people to understand, understand interrelational relationships a little bit better? Hmm. Uh, I guess try with yourself. Um, (laughs) (laughs) really, I mean, you know, like, yeah, I, I grew up in a different South Africa, I think, um, and I, I never really thought of it until uh, our mutual friends actually were in an interracial relationship, both of them foreigners. And they were like, you have no idea how weird this country is. And, you know, I never really thought about it until I tried it myself. And I realized, like, you know, even weird things like little kids, little kids that, you know, shouldn't really have an opinion would be, like, openly disgusted by us. Discussing it's, big people's things. <laughs> it's, it's so bizarre. Like, how, how can little children hate? Like, I, <laughs> Well, did you grow up in South Africa? Yeah, that's correct. And through this relationship, have you been made aware of of the white privilege uh, context? Or have you always Um, been quite, quite, um, you know, and I mean, be honest about it. Have you always been quite on it and and know you've been aware of it? Well, I mean, you know, I'd like to say I come from a liberal family, but I mean, at the end of the day, if most of your friends are white and you went to a white school, I mean, how how integrated can you actually be? (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, really, like, opening, like, dating Lumpy has been an eye-opener. You know, meet a lot of different people. You know, we go to Soweto, the theater, and party. And, you know, it's, it's really been actually great to sort of see, you know, the other 90% of the country. <laughs> I actually, I, I like that 90% comment because Kat was saying earlier, um, and then, and, and you said, Andrew, that, um, the interesting thing is that as black people, again, another generalization, we, we get to play the full field. Uh, in the sense, in the sense that, you know, I can come and hang out in, in Santon and still be comfortable in Soweto and still be comfortable. I can date, I can date black and generally I can date white, still be comfortable and, and not have much of that resistance. Um, and then, and then you said, you said black people are always playing off sides while white people just keep to, white people just keep to, to one, one, one half of the, they don't explore. And when black people are playing offside, they're behind the posts and, and, and so on. So, so, and, and I, I think, you know, that point touches on what Kat said earlier. He said, you know, if you want the best for yourself, why would you limit yourself to just 10% of the population? Mm. And, and I think that is what's beautiful with, with, with you guys, with Lungile and, and, and with William is that you guys have found the best, uh, across the color divide and, and are making it work. So good luck to you guys. I think it's, it's really inspiring. I appreciate that. Thank you guys. 
Guys, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, we've been speaking to Lungile Zakwe and uh, William Lawman, two uh, beautiful people in a great relationship uh, across color lines. Hopefully, this conversation, people are going to replay this uh, in, in 20 years, 30 years, 40 years and be like, look how weird we were that they were actually discussing interrelation, like yes. interracial relationships. Yes. Rory, you mentioned something interesting though. You said in that thing that you could generally date white girls. But that you wouldn't. No, why no, no, I you wouldn't. Why would date white no, girls? No, 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 I would. Why, why wouldn't I? But would you marry a white girl? I would. I would. If, if, if everything was there and, you know, all the, all the, t- so Cats, I wouldn't, so the reason why, the, no, lawyer. but the you reason why, the bullshit on your no, face. no, no, the reason why I wouldn't marry her would not be because she's white. I, I, just, I mean, there's no, I, I personally wouldn't have a reason not to. But you don't know her. Hey? You, you haven't even met the, the hypothetical person we're speaking about yet, and you've already decided you're not going to marry her. No, but you guys are putting me... I didn't say I would marry her. I would but marry you, a white but, person. But would you? I would. Re- really? I would. I promise you I would. Your mother and father? They would be fine. Right, we've they got want them what's on the best line for right you. now. Yeah. So yeah. Let's just speak to <laughs> hey, <them>. daddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, look, for me personally, there wouldn't be an issue. But I do think that one would have to acknowledge that there would be, let's call them logistical issues to get around. But once you've gotten around those, you know, things like, you know, introducing friends, introducing, how do you make sure that you have a real wholesome relationship without leaving parts of yourself outside of it, right? Because now I can't take you there because I'm going to be hanging out with all of my black friends. We're going to speak in Venac. We're not used to. Mm. And that's the thing with Model C, with Model C lifestyle. Kat, tell us about when you go to Rustenburg, you know, you come from this world, you go into a world where the guys don't know how to speak. Um, or, or don't generally speak English, right? And then it creates complications. Well, when mm. I'm when I'm in Rustenburg, so that's like that. That's that's the main thing. Um, and yeah, and geez, I I am from an utterly different world. Um, when I go to Mabiskora, where my, where my where my parents are from. Um, but if you would indulge me, I was just I was listening to the conversation, and um, I think a lot of the time. What people are very, uh, what people become guilty of, and you're talking about awkward conversations between races. One of the things, things that happens is that we turn people in an interracial relationship into some sort of weird niche product. <laughs> so we say, niche yeah, exactly, like it's, it's, because it's not, because com- it's not completely normal, right? You've deviated. And then we say things, and then we over, overly sexualize black men by saying things like, once you go black, you never go back. And you take away the substance of that person, wh- whoever they may be. And reduce them down to just that, um, which I think is problematic. It's something that I experienced personally, and it's it's a pity. I think we should we we should elevate the discourse above that. Hmm. And yeah, I don't totally to agree with that. You totally not believe that. the guy's just a student in varsity. He's huh? studying law, but he's a lawyer. He saw your rubbish when he saw it. Okay, uh, it's 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 three minutes to ten. Thank you so much for listening to the concert show. Back again next Wednesday on cliffcentral.com. Uh, Rookies and rock stars is up next. Thank you so much to all our guests. And remember, you can catch this podcast. Uh, all you need to do is go to www.cliffcentral.com and check out all the conversations that have been going on between Rory and myself and our guests. Thanks so much for listening. Cheers, Have yourself everybody. a fantastic one. Change the world. Cliffcentral.com